I started writing Food for the Archons as a book of despair after watching my father die in 2013. During his transition, I experienced a series of paranormal and psychic events that left me feeling that I had either gone completely crazy or fell into humanity's darkest secret. I spent the next five years conducting extensive research, and I quickly learned that what I had experienced was real. My journey brought me to an understanding that showed me that despite the terrifying reality of an unseen predator, we as humans have a forgotten power. Just knowing this brings us tremendous hope in what once seemed a dark reality. I wrote this book for me in hopes of gaining a better understanding of our reality and relationship to it, but my hope is that you will find as much value in reading it as I did in writing it. I am human, food for the Archons, humanity's psychic connections, simulated realities, parallel worlds, and the manipulation of mankind. It's available on Amazon.com and at SixthSenseMedia.net and wherever books are sold. I'm Dennis Nappy II, reminding you to let your intuition be your guide. Thank you. Let me tell you why you're here. You're here because you know something. What you know you can't explain, but you feel it. You felt it your entire life. There's something wrong in the world. You don't know what it is, but it's there. What are you feeling right now? And are those feelings your own? So much to talk about on this week's episode of The Secret Podcast. I've been trying to do this show for actually over a week when the idea struck me, and it's evolved in my mind, and I think it's highly relevant right now. Uh, I want to talk about, touching a lot of subjects here, I'm going to talk about a book I'm reading called The Empath's Survival Guide, and the impact, the life-changing impact that has had on my life about two weeks ago, the giant realization I had that I think is important to share with all of you out there. We're always talking about energy on this show and how susceptible we are. And we talk about the science behind it and talk about the experiences with it. And I have some information, some of my personal journey that I want to share with all of you. Uh, and how that impacts everything going on in the world right now. I've got some great news articles talking about space, Elon Musk, and the future moving to Mars. Um, and I want to talk a little bit about the election drama, touch on some remote viewing stuff, and some some uh, prophetic dreams that I've, I've had over the last uh, couple of weeks. Um, let me start. Let me start with the election because I'm going to get that out of the way. Speaking of energy sucks and drains, I think it's very dangerous to be totally engrossed and involved in this election right now. My opinion, I believe this is going to play out a certain way, and I believe this was by design. Now, I know a lot of us that think, you know, conspiracy-minded are being demonized lately. That doesn't mean every conspiracy out there is true. There's some wackadoo things that are going on out there right now. But what we're seeing right now is pure chaos. We And you don't know what to believe. And we're in a meme world. We're in a headline world. And that's what a lot of people are reading and getting. And you see some of this stuff, and it sounds true. Now, I want to go back to a show I did a couple of years ago. I want to go back. I want to go back to Food for the Archons. I want to go back to things. Is this me patting me on my back? No, this is me saying if you listen to this show, we've been preparing for this moment right now 
for years. And it, it starts with us going back and looking at things like WikiLeaks during the last election and then the AI thread that we've been on. Now, if you've read Food for the Archons, I dedicated a portion of that book talking about AI and what the people involved in the AI world were predicting, not psychically, analytically based on where tech was heading for this election, looking at fake news, looking at disinformation, and looking at foreign adversaries and the interests they have in watching us destroy ourselves from within. Now, this is nothing new, but with AI, it's like, you know, uh, destroy from within on steroids. I don't know if there's a better term for that. Subversion. Um, And that's what's happening here. Now, we're seeing stories here about Ballots being lost, ballots being thrown out. We're getting videos of you know what they're alleging are people filling things in and filling out the ballots. Of course, we can't see what they're writing on the ballots. We can't see that they're actually ballots, but we're getting these videos that are hitting people who are harmonized with a specific thread, an energy, a storyline, and saying, that's it, that's the proof, the election's being rigged. Now, on the flip side of that, Why wouldn't the election be rigged? Why wouldn't, if you see the emotional investment that people have in this event right now, the the hatred that people have for opposing sides and the levels, the desperate measures that people are, I mean, there's, there's talk of, hey, if this doesn't go my way, we're going to civil war. So why wouldn't somebody try and manipulate the election? My point is you don't know what to believe anymore. We don't know, we can't, I don't know anybody that's going to be wholeheartedly able to accept these results and say, yeah, that the election definitely was not rigged. There was definitely no foul play. I don't know how we're gonna be able to do that. Now, some of us may be able to say, you know what, maybe, but I don't care because your guy might win. Some of us might say, you know, my guy lost and I'm ready to go to war for this. So. We are in a very unique situation. That's why I know for me, I stepped out of it. I did not get emotionally invested in this. And I know I catch some crap for that sometimes, but I I just don't see this as democratic at all. I see this as a ruse in, in my own honest opinion. I think that I think it's a little game. I think that it lets us pick who's going to pretend to be our leader, but I don't really think it's gonna change what's going to happen on the big picture. Now, I did have some conversations with with someone and, you know, understanding that, well, there is some little picture stuff that maybe will affect us, uh, that will depend on who's in office. Um, And I say little picture because I'm thinking on on a global and galactic scale right now. But when you look at, you know, certain policies that are in place, yeah, that might make a difference then as terms as as who's in power. I'm not going to get political. I'm not going to talk about that right now, but um, I've been so focused on the other stuff. I I didn't focus on those other things, and and maybe I should have. Um, Neither here nor there right now. My point is there's chaos, and we don't know what to believe. At least I don't know what to believe, and that's the key. That's when it hit me the other day. When I was thinking about this, I was talking to somebody online about this. Ray had a thread going. It was Ray Davis. This is going to look horrible. Up until Inauguration Day, I don't think we're going to know really who the winner is. And I think this is going to be a long, drawn-out process to that point. What happens next? We, the people, are going to demand more transparency. We're going to demand 
a better system than trusting a human being with possible selfish motivations to count the ballots, than having an overwatch committee to ensure that things are being done honestly. And what's that system going to be? Enter the blockchain. You can't compromise the blockchain, not at this point in time. This is going to go hand in hand with the rollout of the digital currency, the crypto cryptocurrency, forgive me. There is a whole entire new infrastructure that's already there. The tech is already there to, to handle voting without fraud. And I'm not advocating for this. I'm just saying this is where I think analytically where we're going. This is the classic problem reaction solution. And it's not going to be cryptocurrency and blockchain is forced on you and oh my gosh, things are horrible. This is going to be, we want this because everything is so bad right now. So we're going to be demanding it. Now, I think back to 9-11, we look at problem, reaction, solution. And we look at, we had, what was the problem? Terrorism. And we were so emotionally traumatized from what happened on 9-11. We don't ever want this to happen again. What did we start saying? I'll give up some of my rights if it's going to catch a terrorist. I will do my part as an American citizen to catch a terrorist. Yes, I will give up some freedom. You can listen to my conversations. I've got nothing to hide. The government's trying to protect me. You can search me. You can violate my personal space and my personal liberties and privacy because I know you're also violating the terrorist's personal privacy and I've got nothing to hide. We were in when this is why when I get in an argument, I stop talking and I walk away and I end that conversation because I'm emotionally invested. We say and do things when we're emotional because we are vulnerable and we need to step back. Now, the, the population of the United States and the world is emotionally vulnerable. Watch for the solution. It may take four years, but it may come sooner where we don't have to worry about voter fraud and the fear and the anxiety because blockchain and ultimately AI is going to start governing things. Meet your new God. This is possibly the catalyst that's bringing us to that. All right. So that's all I want to say about that, but I do want to touch base on some of the remote viewing stuff. I know within the remote viewing community, um, I've been following some conversations, and a lot of remote viewers, my team included, were leaning towards Trump. Not because that's, you know, we didn't put our opinions of who we want to win or not win out there, but it, it's what the data suggests. Now, I, I encourage you, if you're not watching what we're doing at Crypto Viewing, it's amazing work. Um, but we had a conversation about this. We just did our world events the night before the election. So it was Monday night. We met. We talked about you know what's coming in November. We did get some election stuff. The data points towards Trump as winning. Now, here's the challenge. When you do a world events, at least the way that it's tasked for us right now, we know every month we're going to do world events. Normally, you don't have any idea what's going to be coming up in the news, but lately it's been COVID updates and the election drama. So this month especially, as COVID is already amp ramping up in the news and everyone knew this election was coming up and everybody knew it was going to be a dramatic election, it's very hard to separate the noise from your conscious mind's uh, imagination from raw signal line data. 
And we made that clear in, in our broadcast with our predictions, but I've, I've read also that other remote viewing teams were getting data that said Trump is going to win. Now, what does that mean? Is, that, is it possible that there's an emotional signal line out there of fear, of people envisioning Donald Trump as president in the upcoming four years. And maybe that's what all of these remote viewers were tapping into. We don't understand fully how this works or this matrix yet. We just know that we can go out and gather information. And if there's not interference out there, we're pretty accurate. A well-trained remote viewer, I say we, I'm not pretty accurate, I'm new. But uh, you know, talking on behalf of the, the crypto team and other remote viewers out there within the community can get anywhere I'd say from 60 to 90% accuracy on a given target. Um, and that's pretty impressive. But I think that there's so much psychic noise because we are all communicating. You talk about people, the government listening in, we're constantly communicating our energy, our emotional state. Um, our thoughts, those things are out there. They create realities. They create signals. And as a remote viewer, I think weeding through that when you're looking at something embedded in that mess is very difficult and challenging. So I'd say, you know, moving forward for an event like this, really the better way to do it would be a uh, a blind tasking, not knowing, hey, this is world events coming up. Um, and I would look at that as as saying, you know, randomly, uh, a month or two before the election, blindly task someone, and don't. I wouldn't even ask it who's going to win the election. I would. I would take a look at you know the target, Oval Office, um, you know, February or even like April, two thousand twenty-one. Describe the person sitting in power. Um, I wouldn't make it a Trump or Biden thing. I would just have them describe the person in power several months out. That may be a less noisy way to look at who the winner of this election is. Um, you know, lessons learned. But speaking of, um, you know, psychic stuff, I just want to touch on, I don't know about you guys, but I've had some crazy prophetic dreams uh, and insightful dreams, intuitive dreams over the last, I'd say, month. Now, part of that, I think, was me going through this. I just moved. Um, I moved, was it two weeks ago now? And it was it was traumatic in the sense that it was just a major change in my life and a lot of energies. And, and I've, I've talked to you guys about this journey that I've been going through. A lot of healing happened, uh, but I had to face a lot of hard stuff. And I was losing sleep. I didn't sleep for a couple of days just because I was so busy. Um, so I think when you're in that state, you tend to have uh, these psychic experiences are intensified. At least for me, I've noticed that. I've had, you know, in this time frame, I've had out-of-body experiences. I've had uh, prophetic dreams that have come true in my personal life. Uh, and I've had insightful dreams that have taught me things. I've, I've had visits from uh, loved ones that have passed on. Uh, it, it's been very intense for me, and I'm thankful for it. Um, it's taught me a lot. It's forced me to grow uh, in a short amount of time in, in a way where I've felt stagnant for a long period of time. So it's connected, reconnected me with a lot of things, very freeing. Um, but one thing that, that has come up, I put it in the world events. I had an earthquake dream, a major earthquake dream. In the dream I was there, I don't think I'm really going to be there when it happens. And I got a clear message of San Francisco. Now, two days after I had that dream, Turkey got hit with this horrible earthquake. So I'm wondering if my location was just wrong. But remember red bricks falling from the sky in this dream. But then last night, I had another earthquake dream. 
and it was real quick. Uh, I didn't actually experience the earthquake. I was speaking with probably one of the biggest skeptics in my personal life. Um, somebody who's just not interested in this stuff, who's pretty critical of these things. And they said to me, they said, you know, they looked at their phone. They said, every state in the country has had, has been having earthquakes except for ours. And I, I live in Pennsylvania. And I was just like, I told you so. I told you this was coming. You know, go out and prepare. Go buy food. Like, you didn't listen to me. And I was very like, haha, I told you so. But, you know, you better get prepared. Shit's hitting the fan now. Um, so it's a weird dream. Now, I, I woke up with the impression, my initial impression was that this is really about earthquakes. However, sometimes dreams can be metaphors. And since, you know, this person specifically mentioned every state, um, I wonder if this is tied into the election. Every state is getting shaken up. Um, and I live in Pennsylvania. So now Pennsylvania is like the key battleground state. So I don't know why it would say Pennsylvania is not the one having the earthquake. I don't know what's going on with that yet. So let me know your thoughts. How would you interpret that dream? Um, so either prepare for an earthquake or prepare for more shaking up with this election. Who knows? But that's the challenge. But I also say the fun of our intuitive dreams. And I'm sharing some of that with you guys. Okay. I have some news stories. And then I really want to talk about um, this empathic stuff that I've realized. Because it's, it's I think it's, it's, it's changed my life. This book has changed my life. I, I, did you ever just have one of those aha moments? Like you realize something and everything shifts. Everything makes sense. Uh, everything just kind of falls into place. And, and that's happened to me with this book that I'm reading. So I'm going to come back to that. I want to just touch on these stories real quick. This one, it's like, uh, yeah, no kidding, buddy. This is from Vice. Uh, the, the title of the article is Police Are Tapping Into Ring Cameras to Expand Surveillance Network in Mississippi. The police department in Jackson, Mississippi is partnering with two companies to stream surveillance footage from ring cameras in a 45-day pilot program sedated November 6th. 2020. Now, this I covered this art, this exact scenario, uh, probably a year and a half ago. Same thing. Um, I'm not going to read the whole article. I'll have it linked in the show notes at uh, sixcentsmedia.net. Um, the point of this is that we are willingly putting more of this surveillance technology in our lives, and it's giving authority figures another tool they can use to spy on us, to gather information. Now, this also makes me think about last week's show. Uh, I talk, I, The show I released last week, anyway, was talking about the de-evolution of humanity. Now, one of the things I talked about in Food for the Archons and in, in, my, uh, in my book and in our, my exploration of AI and what's going on with AI, we're having this infrastructure built. Now, in Food for the Archons, I talked about the Gnostics and I talked about aeons. And aeons are they're a conscious entity, some would call a deity, a creative force, but they're also a reality system. So within the consciousness of an aeon exists a reality, exists a universe. And what we found, what I've not I've what I've researched, meaning I've uncovered from the work of others, um, it's like our, our reality seems to be like Russian dolls. So we're a universe within a universe within a universe within a universe. And I said this, you know, a couple of years ago, and I'm saying it again now. With all of these influencers that are out there, with all this surveillance technology that's out there, you know, and let's really add to this conspiracy theory. If, as I said previously, 
the Roswell crash was a Trojan horse designed to create this AI web around our planet, which I, I think is a possibility. This technological web from an external, call it AI, call it alien force that is influencing the lives and behaviors of humanity. What if it's creating another level of reality? Now, with an Aeon, each copy loses a little bit of information because they can't gather 100% of their current base reality. So what we're seeing now is a massive data collection. I look at things like the Waze app, where you're able to report on hazards on the roadway, cops on the roadway. You know, that's more data points that are being given to an AI, a giant database. But it's also what it's doing is it's creating historical markers in a reality system. Now you talk to Nick Bostrom from Oxford University who has created the simulation argument. And what he talks about is certain civilizations will reach a level of technological advancement where they're going to run ancestral simulations. Now there are so many variables that impact future events in order to successfully run an ancestral simulation, which he purports is more likely than not, is our current reality, meaning we are in an ancestry simulation. That simulation comes from a, a giant collection of data points. This is what's happening. The ring cameras, the apps, social media. If you listen to last week's show, all the influencers who are out there, good and bad, taking the selfies, taking the videos, reporting on events that are going on, those are valuable data points that a massive database can use to create another layer deep of reality, to recreate this reality. Now, it sounds crazy, right? Watch the show. I love this show, The 100. That's exactly what they did in, in I think, season three. That's uncovered, that there's these chips that go in people's brains and they're able to connect to this AI simulation that has the data of their previous reality within it. Maybe that's how we live forever. Not, sounds crazy, right? Ray Kurzweil is talking about uploading your mind to the cloud within the next 10 years. This is a possibility, my friends, okay? So this is how I'm seeing things when I see articles like that. That was a lot to get out. All right, let me shift gears, uh, and here we go. Let's look at some climate change stuff. This is from Whitley Strieber's UnknownCountry.com. This article is titled, The Giant Awakens, Arctic Methane Deposits have started to thaw. This came out on November 2nd. Now, why is this concerning? Because once that methane comes out and in large quantities, that's going to drastically influence climate change. It's going to, to heat up the environment and have bring this wacky weather to, uh, you know, make it, I can't even talk today. The weather's going to get a lot worse. Weather extremes are going to get a lot worse. Okay. I'm going to read just one portion of this. Large amounts of methane have been observed escaping from the seabed off of the northeastern coast of Siberia, emanating from previously frozen pockets of the powerful greenhouse gas, a sleeping giant that threatens to trigger a global warming feedback loop that exacerbates the climate warming effects of human-produced carbon dioxide emissions. Now, we can look at a lot of different aspects of this. I know I'm a big fan of David Dubine and... Um, Ben Davidson, you know, David's with Adapt 2030 and Ben's with Suspicious Observers, and they're talking about how we're moving into a cooling period right now because of the grand solar minimum and the weakening of our, our magnetic electromagnetic field around the Earth. How does this play in? Will this balance that out? Will this change things as we have these methane deposits that may contribute to warming? 
I'm not a climate scientist. I don't know. What I do know is that climate is changing and it is going to be dangerous. And right now, this election drama and the coronavirus, although serious, are a distraction to this. This is more serious from what I'm gathering. This is the greater impact. And I suspect that the election drama and the coronavirus are designed to drive thought and behavior in a particular direction. So we're prepared to take the instruction we need to take for these events. Keep that in mind, my friends, as you're preparing for things. This needs to be the focus right now, in my opinion. My focus isn't fully there yet. It needs to be. I'm behind. But that's what that I believe what we need to be focused on. Follow Ben Davidson of Suspicious Observers. Get his disaster prediction app and follow David Debine of Adapt2030. Follow him on Twitter. I, I, I try to retweet him every time um, because he's sharing these relevant articles that are already proving that this change is upon us right now uh, in the climate uh, and within um, society, food production, and government policy. Follow the work that they're doing. It's great work. It's important work. All right. Speaking of climate type of stuff, another article from Whitley Strieber's uh, Unknown Country. Here we go. This one I'm excited about. This is from October 30th. There's even more water on the moon hiding in plain daylight. This is great. Telescope has detected the presence of water on the sunlit surface of the moon. The development may make manned missions to our closest neighbor all the easier as astronauts bound for the lunar surface won't have to lug as much of the heavy yet supremely vital substance with them on the quarter million mile journey. Now, we don't know publicly why we stopped going to the moon. There's a lot of conjecture out there about encountering aliens, or you can go down just the political stuff, people lost interest in it. I tend to think that we encountered something over there that told us not to come back. For some reason, we're going back, and we're going back in a major way. And I I think within the next couple of years, we're going to start seeing the colonization of the moon, or I should say the recolonization of the moon. Will we have disclosure before then? Possibly, because there does appear to be structures on the moon. Um, and I've done shows on this before. There's a lot of evidence pointing to that. But we are we're going back to the moon. And one of the things they've talked about, and this goes back, I believe, to Corso's work, Roswell, 1947, Corso's book, 1997, plans to colonize the moon. What are they going to do? They're going to go into caverns on the moon to protect from, uh, you know, the outside, the elements, and um, you know, meteor impacts and strikes and things of that nature. But we have to bring our own water. What We need water to survive. Well, now they're telling us there's water on the moon. I remember previously the what they said was they shot a nuclear weapon on the dark side of the moon so they could measure the amount of water vapor that came off. I think that was a crock. I think that was a horrible cover story. But I just thought maybe it's just water vapor, frozen water crystals that they're measuring. Now they're saying there's water on the surface of the moon. We have been looking all over Mars, all over the universe to prove that there's water, and now they're just saying there's even more water hiding on the moon in plain daylight. Meaning, you mean to tell me that there's been water there before? That was news to me. So this is another step, another argument, another piece of evidence. We're going to the moon, and from the moon, we're going to Mars. Okay, now in terms of going to Mars, Elon Musk is dead set on this. You know, I covered previously China plans to have cities on Mars within the next 100 years. Elon Musk, I think, plans to be on Mars within the next 10 years. 
And let's talk about this. Elon Musk is saying, this is from the New York Post, but it's in multiple articles, Elon Musk's SpaceX colony on Mars won't follow Earth-based laws. Interesting. Uh, Elon Musk's planned colony on the Red Planet will not be ruled by any Earth-based government and will instead adhere to its own self-governing principles, according to reports. Greener tech mogul's SpaceX Mars mission, which will use constellations of satellites to provide an internet connection for the creation of a self-sustaining city on the planet, will be forced to recognize international law according to terms of service of SpaceX's Starlink internet project cited by the Independent. For services provided on Mars or in transit to Mars via Starship or other colonization spacecraft, the parties recognize Mars as a free planet and that no Earth-based government has authority or sovereignty over Martian activities, the governing law section states. Instead, disputes will be settled through self-governing principles established in good faith at the time of Martian settlement, it notes. Elon Musk is already making laws for Mars. That's insane, but it's important to understand. Now, let's read it. He's looking at his Starlink um, satellite system, which is going to support the colony. It's also going to be connected to Earth. It's also going to be connected to the moon. I also suspect, knowing Elon Musk, with what he's working on with Neuralink, it's putting the chip in the brain to connect you to the cloud, to connect you to the AI. I highly suspect that these people on this colony are going to be enhanced with technology. They're going to be connected to this system, which is going to be connected to the cities on Mars, which is going to be connected to their Internet of Things. It's going to be a colony of cyborgs. Um, I know that sounds, that's a horrible word. It sounds, it's a negative sounding word. I don't mean it that way, but I just, that's what I, my thoughts right now is that these people are going to be enhanced and have access to all these computer-based records. Now, I don't know that the world governments are going to fight him on this right now. Why? Because he's the man that's going to get everybody there. If there's going to be a fight over who's going to govern Mars, who's going to have the rules of Mars, it's going to be after Mars is colonized, and they're going to say, we want to get our greedy hands on that. But Elon Musk is a smart guy, and I'm sure he's prepared for that. What he's also doing is he is using his technology to integrate Earth technology, meaning he's the man in charge of creating the new tech for tomorrow that everything will be connected to. So will you really be able to influence a man like that? It's going to be the power of a god over a planet, basically. Um, so we'll see. And and there's another article. I'll share it in the show notes. If you think this is like hooky, uh, you know, conspiracy stuff, this is from Business Insider. SpaceX's Starlink internet speeds are consistently topping 150 what is it, megabytes per second. Now Elon Musk says the biggest challenge is slashing the $600 upfront cost for users. This is a fast system. It's in a beta test mode right now. This article talks about, again, transparency. It's expensive. So now what Elon Musk's team is working on is reducing the cost of that. So make no mistake, my friends. AI is here to stay. AI is integrated in our lives in ways that we don't even fully understand, and it may be even more pervasive and invasive as we move forward. And this election, this coronavirus, may be a big catalyst to pushing that agenda further. 
Now we need to decide, as I talked about last week, is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? What impact will that have on us? Will it enhance our lives? Or will it be taking something away? Is it pulling us another layer deeper into the matrix imprisonment? Or are we able to break free from this matrix system that we're in and see what's out there? Robert Morningsky said, when you die, the light is dangerous. Simply, instead of going to the light, turn around and look behind you. This also kind of supports some of what Bob Monroe talked about with his um, his M-band noise. He said there was so much energetic noise around the planet Earth that when you finally got further away from it, he was able to escape that noise. Is that noise what's going on right now? Monroe also said that into the future, I think in the year 3000, the noise was gone. And he described a society where we were able to go in and out of our body and in and out of the bodies of animal life forms on this planet at will to have an experience to willingly produce louche. So are we going to ultimately merge with AI, which will ultimately, at some point, end the existence of the human spirit and turn us into something else? I don't know. Okay, a lot of unknowns, but things for us to think about. I know I dropped a lot of information. Let me slow it down. I could have done the whole show just on this right now, but I have to get this empath stuff out. It's important. So let me shift gears right now. All right, I'm currently, I was talking to a friend of mine, somebody who I, I confide in um, quite regularly, who's who's got a lot of information that's been helpful for me. And she recommended a book called The Empath's Survival Guide, written by Judith Orloff, MD. Life Strategies for Sensitive People. I didn't have high hopes or expectations for this book. I've read a lot of energy type books and empath books. And it's like, yeah, that's interesting, but it hasn't been helpful to, to me. What she does is she goes in and explains what an empath is. And she described that there's different types of empaths. Uh, and I'm not going to give the whole book away. I know some empaths feel physical pain. They walk in a room and they're like, oh, I got a headache now. Or I feel sick to my stomach. And that's not my experience. It's never been my experience. So I always thought like, all right, well, maybe I'm just not that strong of an empath. And then she just describes, and there's another type of empath who feels feelings. They feel emotional states of people. And the way she described this book described my life. And it even brought me to the realization of so many things that I attribute to PTSD from being a cop and being a soldier is actually me just trying to process the empath signals that I'm getting from other people's emotions and then rationalizing it with my training and experience as a cop and as a soldier, which then I think compounds what I'm experiencing, makes things 10 times worse and harder for me. Um, I think my stress and anxiety, as I'm hearing from her as an empath, we're, we're so open to other, and, and I talked about the science behind this in the book, um, in Food for the Archons, looking at the heart maths research, now they have this measurable emotional signal that comes out of the heart. It's an electromagnetic wave that comes out of your heart that transmits emotional signals. And when I read that, I went, oh my gosh, this is real. That that was an aha moment as I was writing the book. This was 2014, 15, when I had validation that psychic transfer of energy and data to be able to the ability to receive information is real and now it's scientifically measurable that was a huge change 
this brought it to the next level. I knew it was real, I knew it was possible, I knew it experienced it, but I didn't realize just how much it impacted my life. I didn't realize that so much of the anxiety that I've been feeling for the last, my, for my life is not mine. I finally identified what is, I'd say, my own emotions and recognized everything else is not me. It becomes me, but it's not me. And that acknowledgement, and then she gave some exercises on things you can do to ground yourself, to protect yourself. Some of the things are things that come natural to me, like taking a bath with, with salts and essential oils, because that cleanses your energy field. It cleanses your aura. Walking in nature, swimming in the ocean, um, these are things that I do naturally when I'm feeling stressed because I know I need to shed my emotional state. If you watched the video I did of, of me um, being drawn to the woods and, and immersing myself in the river, same thing. Um, you know, you just feel it and you need to let it go. But these are things that I'm now bringing into my life even more um, as I'm kind of embracing my reality as an empath. Um, you know, I used to always have doubts like, yes, I'm an empath, but also I'm trained in interview and interrogation. I have a lot of experience with that. So I look at subtle things in people's body language. But in reading this book, what she said was, she says an empath feels what other people are feeling, but they also observe things in people physically with our five senses that other people don't necessarily notice all the time. And I thought about some of my interviews and interrogations I've done, and I've worked with, I've spoken with excellent liars. And sometimes the only thing that tips me off that they're lying is one word. And it's not the word that they said, and nobody else in the room or that I'm working with has picked, usually picks up on it. There's a slight difference in the energy behind one word that they say, and it could be any word. They're, they're lying, they're lying, they're lying. And what I suspect is at that point, at that moment, they're having a thought about the lie. They're having, not a thought, they're having an emotion that's different from the emotion of the lie. And I feel it. And that's when I can go in on that signal and push it. That's when I get my confidence and say, all right, now I know I can really push this thread because I feel it and I go for it and I usually get it. Um, that's empathic. Now, I'm, I have issues with crowds. I had When I was in my 20s, you never go to the bar, get drunk, yay, and have fun. Now, if I'm drinking alcohol, I care a lot less, but I never drank. I didn't start you know, drinking alcohol until I was in my late 20s, really early 30s. So I would go to the bars because that's where people my age went and I'd be overwhelmed. I'd put my back to the wall and I'd stand there and I'd say, well, you know, I'm a veteran. Um, so I've got PTSD and I'm scared that a terrorist is going to come in and blow this place up. But I was never out of terrorist bombing. Yes, my job was to look for terrorism. My job was to deal with these people. I had the... Um, you know, I was go out actively searching for them when I was deployed. I was I was doing the interviews with them and, um, you know, identifying their recruiting grounds and their plots. But I didn't have that kind of trauma. My trauma was always the fear of this might happen. Now, as I reflect on this, I think that I still had that anxiety because it's a post 9-11 world. I had that anxiety that something bad could happen. But I think I also experience signal overload. So it's not necessarily that you're getting information that something bad's happening. It's that your receptors are jammed so much with everybody's energy 
it becomes overwhelming and it makes you feel like you're having a panic attack. I guess it's the same thing as walking into a room, looking at your sense of sight, and the room is so bright it hurts your eyes. You have to close your eyes and get out of there. Or a smell is so pungent you have to leave the area because you're going to throw up. Or a sound is so piercing you got to hold your ears and walk away. This is another sense. This is an, a sixth sense. It's the same thing. And I think what I'm experiencing is just sensory overload when I'm around a crowd. And I also realized, you know, she talks about energy vampires. And I, I, I don't like that term necessarily because it's a negative connotation. I want to be quite clear because I've, I've, I've been able to identify after reading this book the energy vampires I've encountered in my life. Some of them are negative people who are knowingly feeding off of your energy. Some of them are people who just have an imbalance and aren't aware of it. That doesn't mean they're not sucking your energy dry, but they're not bad people. We need to protect ourselves from them and we need to set clear boundaries. And we don't have to say, I'm an empath, you're a vampire, leave me alone. But you need to develop ways to shield yourself from them. And I realized how vulnerable I've been to people who are draining on my energy and the way I feel after I speak with these people. And realizing that immediately gave me permission. I gave myself permission to disconnect. And I've since spoken to a few of these people, and it's different. I don't feel what I typically felt drained, anxious, angry, upset, because I know this isn't me. And reading this book has given me that gift, that freedom to let go of so much. And I'm so thankful for it. I'm not done reading it yet, and I know I have a lot more work to do, a lot more things to learn. Um, But I feel that this is me kind of embracing this I want to say ability. Now, we think empaths, we think psychics, we think, you know, parlor tricks. Um... I, I don't know how else to describe it. I just feel people's emotions and you don't always realize it's not yours. That's the thing. One day you're all of a sudden in a bad mood and you don't know why. You're just angry and you're fighting with the people around you. And the reality is one person in your group might be in a bad mood and now I'm picking up on it. So now I'm going to start the argument because I'm like, I'm so pissed off and just angry. So... I feel that I've I've really gotten a control of that. Now, how does it affect all of you? Well, you, you know what I've talked about, how whether we're conscious of it or not, we're influenced by the emotions of others. But it's not just people that have energy. I just moved. And the biggest fight I had with my wife was over where we're going to live. And she kept saying, it's got a house, it's got good schools, the crime rate's low. Um, I don't know why you don't like it. I mean, we fought over this. And I kept saying, it doesn't feel right. I don't care about all other stuff. It doesn't feel right. And that was the main thing I was going by, just driving into a neighborhood, going into a house. How does it feel? It's very difficult when you're somebody who leads by feelings, trying to speak with somebody who leads by science and logic. One is not better than the other if you're looking from the outside in, but you can't tell a person who rules by logic to accept something that defies their logic coming from someone who rules by feeling. It's like Lost, man of science, man of faith, John Locke versus Jack, right? 
uh, I've realized I'm more of a John Locke kind of guy. He goes by uh, how he feels. And that's what I've been going through. Places have energy. They have feeling. They have memory. And I think those of us that are sensitive understand that. I spent the last seven years living in the Pocono Mountains. That place has always been a beautiful place of healing for me. And I've noticed since COVID, that energy has changed. Now, maybe it's just changed for my own resonance. But people flock to the Poconos and they get their peace. They get their cleansing because nature is cleansing. And and what I feel right now is that location is so oversaturated with people fleeing the city as they've been doing since 9-11. And what it does is they bring their energy there and this place absorbs their energy and it cleanses it and it cleanses them. But I think right now that cleaning energy is so thin It's so depleted. I felt that up there. I felt that change. And I know it sounds crazy, but now it makes sense to me. That location no longer serves my needs, no longer serves my energetic needs. It doesn't vibrate with what I need anymore because there it's like more and more people are tapping into that and energy vampires. We're all guilty of it and draining that energy. Um, So energy changes in places. And I think We can feel that. So when you walk into a place, you know if it's right for you or if it needs to change. In addition to uh, places having energy, we've talked about people having energy. Events can carry certain energy. uh, And you can see that energy like the election. We knew there was going to be energy associated with this election. And many people have harmonized their frequencies because of the way they invested into this election. I'm not saying it's good or bad. Everybody's on a different journey and has different purposes in in that journey that they're on. That energy doesn't harmonize with my purpose right now, but for other people it does. And they carry, so events carry different energies to them. But these are things that we can tune ourselves to be mindful of. Is this something I should participate in or contribute to? Or if this something is... I have to contribute to how does the energy feel and what measures do I need to take in order to protect myself beyond energy social media as well can carry energy with it I got into a conversation with somebody a few years back and this person did not like what I had to say Um, he responded to me in a way that projected such an energy on me, I had to take social media off my phone for a week because I felt this person's anger. And I think it was almost like an energetic attack because they were so angry with with what I was trying to say. Um, It was bad. I can still feel how uncomfortable I felt for for two days after that exchange. Um, So we need to be mindful. Even through social media, we can... Um, pick up energy and, and influence energy. Now, this sounds scary, but if it flows one way in the bad way, well, we can also use it in the good way. Look at social media when you see a happy post about an animal being reunited with its owner or somebody sharing an expression of love. Um, we can use this. This is important. As somebody who's sensitive to energy, this is the greatest secret here. This is how we forge ahead. The new future may feel uncomfortable and scary, but can you find that one word that vibrates that, like I was talking about, that you can then push into that signal and harmonize 
and expand with that because nothing right now is all bad and bad and good are two extremes of the same energy. Can you find the frequency or can you create the frequency in that event that you need to go to or be a part of or have encountered? And I think looking at Maharishi research, the Maharishi effect combined with heart math knowledge, this is where we need to shift our focus, especially now because much of the world is going back into lockdowns. I've seen some upsetting things. What can you focus on? Uh, in your daily meditations, your morning meditations, or if you're if you're quote bad at meditating, can you journal and can you cr- write creatively, talking about the future you envision, or write about what you want for the day and picture? I'm picturing my children smiling because we had such a fun day. I'm picturing my kids laying in bed tonight and they're smiling and laughing about all the fun, silly things we did, and we all feel happy. We all have food in our bellies. We all enjoyed a meal together. Things like that. Um, that's a form of meditation, and that's a form of visualizing and creating if you're feeling those feelings. That can be our greatest tool when we feel powerless. And I suspect that's what happens with these elections. People are visualizing Joe Biden winning. People are visualizing Donald Trump winning. Now, are those visualizations visualizations of peace and things getting better? Or are they visualizations of the Civil War narrative that has been out there? I think we do have that power to influence things. I think that there are powers among us that are aware of that, which is why we see some of the things we see on social media. That's the influence driving our creative power to manifest the reality that the hidden puppeteer wants to manifest. Be mindful of that, my friends. That is our greatest strength. And if we can collectively use that we can move mountains, literally. One other thing I wanted to talk about, this is one of those cool experiences, talking about being an empath and protection. Um, I came to this conclusion on my own, and then I was speaking to somebody who randomly said it, and I was like, cool, I think I'm right on this. Um, A lot of times you hear for psychic guidance and psychic protection, visualize a white light of protection surrounding you and protecting you. I have done that since I was a kid at times, you know, picturing the white light. And I got to tell you something, I never liked it. I never felt good about it. I never felt great about it. I was like, all right, I got this white light, it's protecting. But it, also, it, made, it put me in, a, in a, almost a defensive military type of state, putting this white light out and projecting this light. And I also never liked the feeling of that white light, the, the harmony that my body would get with it. So it would end up creating more stress in me. I'd say, all right, maybe I'm protected, maybe I'm not. But... It just didn't feel very effective for me. And I believe this book, I know she talks about putting a light around you. I think she said the white light again as well. Something clicked for me. And I said, you know what? I see auras. Not all the time, but I see auras. I still don't understand what they all mean. But I have been developing an an aura vocabulary over the last couple of years. And one of the things I've learned, and this may be different for you, the color pink is a very caring, compassionate, loving, nurturing aura. It's the aura of love. Um, not just romantic love, which it is, it's, and that's a beautiful energy to envelop yourself in or to experience. It's also the love a mother has for her child, for her baby, for her unborn baby. It's, it's affection um, and caring and compassion. 
I've never seen somebody with a pink aura and not felt good being around them. So I've started with part of my protection when I'm encountering somebody who would be, quote, an energy, I'm going to say an energy drain. It sounds less harsh than a vampire. Vampire sounds intentional. And I think some people are just draining of our energies and not meaning to be. Um, so when I encounter somebody who's an energy drain um, or I encounter an experience that's unpleasant energetically to me, I started surrounding myself with pink energy, with that energy of love and compassion and what a difference it's made for me. And I'm also looking for some pink stones, some, some rose quartz, because they hold that energy as well to carry with me as a reminder, as a talisman, and even because of the energy that they carry. Um, I, do wear, I do wear obsidian because obsidian is supposed to help absorb the negative energy. And that helped a little bit, but um, I feel drawn right now to pink crystals. Not that I'm a big crystal guy, but I, I, I just, as I'm going through this, I'm feeling like these are things that I can use um, to help me cope. Um, so I was talking with somebody, with this person that I speak with, and, and what she told me was that she went on a retreat, and what she was told at the retreat was that the white energy is actually too intense of a frequency for a lot of people, and actually it bring, it attracts things because it's like this giant beacon. Uh, and I went, see, that's the validation. I came to this conclusion on my own, and somebody else is saying it too. That just that tells me that what I'm experiencing is real. And what I'm reading is correct because other people experience it too. That doesn't mean it's, quote, real, but it's real enough for me to use it in my own life and my own practices. So um, if you're one that uses the white light and don't feel like you get much um, effect of it, try a pink light. Try a purple light. A purple light is a very spiritual color as well. Um, you know, try exploring and experimenting with different colors and find one that resonates with you. And make that your go-to protective light uh, or energy that you want to harmonize with. Um, I think that's what I'm gonna, where I'm going to stop today. I don't want to steal all of the thunder from the uh, Empath Survival Guide because it's well worth your time. If you're somebody who struggles with this stuff, I highly recommend it. Um, it really, it really had an impact on me, and it reconnected me with what I'm doing. With all of you, uh, I think I can provide better insights um, as we continue this journey. So stay the course, my friends. Things are hard. Things are going to get harder. But if we're aware of some of these powers and forces and abilities that we have, we have the tools to navigate them. I believe that. We're going to have moments of despair. We're going to have failures. We're going to have moments where we feel like we can't do it. Step back. Use these techniques to ground yourself, to clear yourself, to reboot. Take the rest that you need when you need it. And rely on others within our community for support. And put that energy out there for those that need it in those moments of weakness. All right, my friends, that's all I have for now. Don't forget, if you haven't done so already, support the show, I Am Human, Food for the Archons, is available on Amazon.com. You can find the links through SixthSenseMedia.net. Don't forget, my free ebook is also out there, I Am Human, and We Are Not Who We Think We Are. If you want the hard copy, that's on Amazon as well. Those proceeds go to support the show, the podcast, and everything that I'm doing here. And with SixthSenseMedia.net and my work with Ray Davis, 
of the affirmation spot. Please check out Ray's work as well. He's continuing to to put out the positive energy out there, and he has a great community that's building. If you want to tap into something positive and unplug from the negative drama that's unfolding, those are the types of communities I recommend following the work of Ray Davis. If you're looking to get into some of the woo-woo, the scary stuff, um, but informative stuff to help make decisions moving forward, crypto viewing is where it's at. Um, So check out what we're doing at Crypto Viewing. We're doing great work. And of course, the work of Dick Allgaier on his YouTube channel, Edward Reardon as he further explores remote viewing, and Daz Smith, my teacher at remoteviewed.com. Lots of places to get information. Also, I plug David Dubine of Adapt2030 and Ben Davidson, Suspicious Observers. These are great sources of information that you won't get in the mainstream and I think will help you better resonate and connect with following your own intuition and following the signs as opposed to doing what you're told to do. And maybe when we're being led down that road, that intuitive voice, that one word will hang out there for you and you'll say, you know what? I need to take the road less traveled and it might lead you where you and your family need to be in these uncertain and scary times. There's hope, my friends. Dennis Nappy II, this has been another episode of The Secret Podcast with Sixth Sense Media, where small changes among the masses can have a massive impact around the world. I encourage you to be that change. Never stop questioning. Keep an open mind. And let your intuition be your guide. Be water, my friend. Be water, my friend. Water, my friend, my friend, my friend.